tweak a little bit as we reviewing just a little where uh, where we have been. Uh, we are, of course, in the book of Philippians, and we're in the third chapter. And as I mentioned to you at the beginning of the study, that so much of it is interrelated, that if you don't review a little bit, you really don't do the people justice in, um, in coming to, to know what the book is about. So at the end of each chapter, I, I, I'll go over what the chapter was about, uh, real quick, and then at the end of the book, I'll, I'll go back over what the book was about um, in, a, in a quick review, so to speak, so that we can keep uh, uh, being aware what this book is about, so that when uh, people talk about, you know, uh, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God didn't think it uh, necessary or whatever the, the word is, to hold on uh, uh, to, the, to the, the, the glory that goes along with, with being God, but then made himself of, of, of no reputation, uh, became a man, a servant at that, and obedient uh, even unto death, the death of a cross. Then you know that when you hear these, these noises, this is the book of Philippians. Um, and, and so you start recognizing, okay, this is what this book is about, and you hear about humility, you hear about unity. Okay, that is Ephesians, that is also the book of Philippians, and so on and so forth. So, it is important to, to review a little bit. I actually wish that we had more time to do more of that. Um, before I go on, let me just say this, that uh, the discipleship that we started last Sunday night it went absolutely fantastic in the first meeting. And to, tonight is actually our first discipleship meeting. Last week was basically the introduction, and, and this week we'll, we, you've done your homework, and we'll, we'll review and, and, and talk about some things that we're supposed to talk about as the leader's guide is directing. Yes. So, <clears throat> hopefully, today we'll go through verses 15 through 21. I, I, I hope that we'll, we'll go through that. And then we're at the end of chapter 3, then we can start with chapter 4, a glorious chapter all by itself, and so on and so forth. But looking back quickly, uh, we see that uh, Paul was talking about the idea of spiritual maturity, Christ-likeness, that he said, I am not there yet like I want to be. I have a ways to go, but I'm pressing forward. I'm stretching forward. I'm reaching out for that goal. And he calls it the price. And so, then it occurred to me that really in the Christian life, uh, you can subdivide them more if you want to, but there are really two big prizes. The first big prize is salvation. That you are going to go to heaven after this life here on earth. Amen. The second big prize is, as Paul is describing it over here, uh, Christ-likeness, spiritual maturity, so that we don't continue in spiritual childhood uh, forever and ever, but that we grow up in the faith, and with that, the result being 
that there is more peace, there's more joy, there's more love, there's more kindness. All of the virtues that go along with the Christian life. Without which we are Christians, but it doesn't show up. And, and, and don't you agree that, that that's a problem? <laughs> this morning at Sunday school we were talking about the fact that if you have to tell somebody that you've been working with for 15 years, hey, I'm a Christian. Oh, really? That's a problem. <laughs> In about 15 minutes, or let us say 15 hours, they need to realize that you're a Christian by virtue of the, of the way that you interact with people. Because when you interact with people, it is clear to you, if you have lived a few years, that it is not always that pleasant. Yes? Plenty of opportunities where it is not that pleasant. But if you're a mature Christian, you will respond in grace. And that is what Paul is talking about over here. That he, writing a letter from prison, can talk about joy. How about them and them apples? Talking about joy. So, if you are not a mature Christian, and you're in prison, in prison, all you can think of is, Oh, what am I doing here? The cause of Jesus hasn't done me any good. Hey, you're immature. And Paul is praying and hoping and teaching and instructing and writing about spiritual maturity. And he's saying, that is my prize here on earth. Christ-likeness. I don't look back. I reach forward for that prize which, for which I have been called. And so, that takes us then to verse 15. Verse 15 says this. Uh, yeah, two big prizes. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus-minded, that if in anything you be otherwise-minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So let's talk a little bit about that. You, you know, they always say, when you, hear the, when you read the word therefore, you need to find out what it is there for. Uh, the word therefore, he has just, he has just come out of the, the passage of that he says, I am looking for spiritual maturity, but I'm not there yet. I have a ways to go. My dear brothers and sisters, if Paul has a ways to go, I have a ways to go, okay? <laughs> An eternal distance from Paul. Uh, because certainly Paul had a great deal of spiritual maturity, but he knew that he still had a ways to go. Because when you are spiritually mature, you realize how much more you have to go. That comes with maturity. Immature, if you're a spiritual teenager, or forgive me, teenagers, uh, I've had some experience with teenagers. I have had three myself. I was a teenager myself. And when I was a teenager, I knew it all. No ifs and buts about it. And I, I had a logical mind, and I could talk people under the table, no problem. and convince them, that, hey, you think this thing is black, but I think it is blue. And I would convince you that it is blue. Oh, no, 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 no. For sure. 
It is because your perception, your human eyes see that's black. But in reality, it is blue. I convinced you somehow that it was blue. So, and uh, you're not, you don't seem very convinced, but anyways. <laughs> so, this is the thing that comes to maturity. So he says, I'm looking for spiritual maturity. But he, brothers and sisters, this is what I'm looking for. Spiritual maturity. Christ-likeness. That when people see my life, that they would say, huh, he's a weirdo. But he, he sort of walks like Jesus walks. And so, and then he goes on to say, listen, hey, I'm not looking backwards. I'm looking forward. I'm stretching and reaching for that prize that is in front of me over there. Uh, this, this thing called Christ-likeness. And he says, therefore, because of what I've just told you, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus-minded. So he says, as many as be perfect, and we'll go to the word perfect in just a little bit. It means actually spiritual maturity, but it, has to, it needs some qualifications. As, as many as are perfect, spiritually mature, this is what needs to be in your mind as well. That it is about spiritual maturity in this life. And you can subdivide that in many different ways. But the bottom line, the, 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 the collective word is Christ-likeness. Spiritual maturity. And God matures us in whatever ways that he sees fit. Yes? It is not up to us how, what it looks like. God knows what it looks like. What knows what it takes to mature us. So therefore, he, and I'm not mature. I have a certain amount of maturity, I suppose. But I, I'm not claiming that I'm mature. I'm just saying that God used some of the tools that he used in my life were hardship, difficulty, tests and trials, financial distress. To grow me up. To get me out of this pride thing that I used to be in. No pride. When the guy in uniform comes to your office and he presents you with some papers to sign because somebody filed on you because you couldn't pay your bills. Pride has a way of flying out of the window. <laughs> Somehow. And a sense of humility sets in. I haven't arrived at humility, folks. I'm not claiming that. Don't say, well, Pastor thinks he's humble. I'm, not, I'm, I'm claiming that. I'm just saying that God used tools to take me out of this pride thing and get me a little bit toward the humility, the humility road, the humility aspect, the humility goal. And that's what he does. He, he uses his tools to mature us. And once again, I'm not claiming I'm mature. I'm maturing. I'm not mature. Just like Paul is saying, he's not mature. But he says, if you, with the idea of looking for maturity, this is, if you're, if you're mature, then this is, should be your goal. That you are thus minded that you also strive for Christ-likeness. The word perfect over here um, means spiritual maturity. It does not mean uh, sinless perfection. There is not sinless perfection in the Christian faith. Some people bring it up. For, by most Christians, uh, 
a sinless perfection of flawlessness is false teaching. Um, so, but that false teaching was going on in the Philippian church. Some people were there, and we will see another group in just a little bit. Some people were saying this, that, and the other, and he says, ah, there's nobody perfect. He says, I'm not even there. So he says, be of this mind then, that you're looking for that Christ-likeness. And if anything, ye be otherwise minded, and if the word if over here is... Many times in the King James you find the word if, but it doesn't mean if like in hypothetical. It means if as in uh, since, with the view of. This being the case. So, for an example, when Satan went to tempt Jesus, he says, if you are the Son of God. He was not hypothesizing that if Jesus was the Son of God, he knew very well, better than anybody else, that Jesus was the Son of God. Amen. So he says, since you are the Son of God, so and so and so. So he says here that since, since we have the people walking around teaching perfection, since that's been the case, since with a view of the fact that, that some people are otherwise minded, God shall even reveal this unto them. So that brings me to a place where, isn't it interesting that God wants to teach us? God wants to reveal things to us. Does he reveal things to you? Of course he does. It's up to him what he's going to reveal to you, but he reveals things to you. Uh, He reveals things to me. And I am eager for God to reveal things to me. I want to learn from him. But not everybody is eager to learn from God. When God chooses to teach you, you soak it in. But some people rebel against it. I counsel people all the time, my friends. I don't care what God wants. I want it this way. And we'll see a group of people in a little while that that are like that. Uh, I don't care what the Bible says. I want to do it my way. Well, good luck. That's why you're in the mess you're in. That's why you're coming for counseling. I'm asking you to do it God's way, but you think you know it better. Say, ah, go after it. Uh, so, he says, God will reveal it to you. If you are willing to learn from God, God will teach you. If you're not willing, I have great pity on you. And it is a form of great arrogance that God wants to teach you and you think you know it better. So you don't want to learn from him. Be careful, my brothers and sisters. Be careful, young people. You remember? So you are now young people where I used to be as a teenager, knowing it all. I don't know where you are that you're thinking you know it at all. <laughs> but if you think, if that's where you are, get out of it. The sooner the better. Because you don't know it all. I don't know it all. Nobody knows it all. And God wants to continue to teach you. 
And the sooner you realize that you don't know it all, the faster, you, the sooner you're going to learn, and then you're on your way. And God is pleased, and your life will be a life of victory. Verse 16. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. I call, verses 15 and 16, I call that a call to unity. He is saying, listen, we have arrived at a certain place. We have arrived at a certain place of maturity. He says, let's walk in it. Let's walk in it together. Let's walk by the same rule. Let's, walk, let's stick to it. Let's stick to what we already know. Let's go for it. Let's not fall back on it. Let us mind the same thing. Let's be on the same page with this thing. Um, some people mistakenly think that unity means that you agree on everything. This is simply not true. I, I don't know of two people that agree on everything. Amen. Do you? You agree with your spouse on everything? I don't agree with my spouse on everything. I think we have a happy marriage and a wonderful, fulfilling marriage. But we don't agree on everything. We don't make a big deal about it. We don't fight about it. But we don't agree on everything. That is not, unity is not that. Unity is this. That we are one in spirit and in purpose. Our purpose is to expand the kingdom of God. And we are one in spirit. This is what we're saying. This is our attitude together. That this is what we want to do. But God might have revealed something to you. That he has not revealed to me. Unfortunately in Christian circles. People when they have a part of the puzzle. They think they got the whole puzzle. <laughs> so. Um, Lorraine, I, I think you're wrong. You have a different piece than I. You, you're different than, than, than my piece. Not realizing I just got a piece and you just got a piece. If we come to the table and we put it together, oh, 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 your piece fits my piece and her piece and that piece and that piece. It's a puzzle. Now we have the whole thing together. But we're fighting over the fact that my piece is the puzzle. And you're fighting about your piece is the puzzle. So, when we walk in unity, we come together in spirit. We're not fighting about anything. We're respecting that Lorena has a part of the puzzle. Sister Lynette has a part of the puzzle. Sister Mary has a part of the puzzle. Sister Jeannie has a part of the puzzle. Brother Jimmy has a part of the puzzle. When we come to the table, ah, look at God. Look what he did. He gave you peace and you peace. And now we see better the whole thing. This is the thing with denominations. This is the thing with groups. This is the thing with column clicks, if you want to, in Christian circles. Let's be humble and let us consider that somebody else has something to bring to the table. Because after all, you're not the only one that hears from the Spirit of God. So this is what Paul is talking about here. Let's... Hey, let's be on the same page. Let's come together. Let's see what you bring, what I bring, but let's not fight about it. Certainly, let's, know, let's not go against each other. Let's walk together in it. Amen. By the same rule, let us mind the same thing. That is basically what he's saying over here. Verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which 
Walk so as you have us for an example. He says to them, be followers of me. Oops. Who of us can say, be followers of me? And yet, we should be able to say it. Don't follow me in everything exactly the way I'm doing it, because I'm flawed. Don't let me lead you in where I'm flawed. But let me lead you in where you clearly can see, and we clarify just a little bit, where we can clearly can see that I'm leading by the Spirit. Follow me there. Paul is saying, be followers of me. He says, be imitators. That's what the word means. Mimic me. Because this Christian thing is funny. It is true, and I think in, in maybe many places in life, I was going to say all places, but I don't know all the places, so I'll, I'll just say many places. In many places of life, if you're going to teach somebody, I, I always say, if you ask somebody to do something, if you can show them, don't ask them to do it. Because a lot of things are not just, yes, you have to teach them. But a lot of things are mostly caught rather than taught. My children, they don't do so much what I say. They do what I do. And if my saying and my doing are conflicting, I get confused children. (laughs) Oh, Dad, you said such and such, but you did such and such. And so it is also with Christian leaders. Paul says... Be followers of me. He is saying that in a way, he's not saying this exactly, but in a way he's saying, I'm trustworthy enough that you should follow follow me. And if he cannot show you where to go, then his leading ain't that good. Because if you're seeing him going that way, and he expects you to go that way, then this is not good leading. So he's clearly not asking. He's clearly not saying, like so many people say, don't do what I do, do what I say. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, do what I do. So he's being an an example to the ones he's asking to follow him. And my dear brothers and sisters, if we are going to be decent leaders... I'm not talking about perfect leaders because there's no perfection. But if we're going to be decent leaders, we ought to be able to show the people where we want them to go. And that's what Paul is saying. Follow me. I'm going there. If you go with me, you'll get there. So, and then he goes on to say, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. And he says, the people that are around you, mark them. Give them consideration. Give them, I'm looking for a different word than consideration, although consideration overlaps with it. Um, uh, give them uh, attention. Give them attention. But be careful. Only if you see that they are, that are walking like we're walking. You have us as an example. If you give them attention, 
Be careful they are walking as the example that we have set for you. So they just follow somebody blindly because they, they're talking a good story. Or they, they have a lot of money. Or they have a lot of cloud. Or they have a lot of possessions. Or they, have a lot, they, they speak well. They look nice. No, 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 no. You follow them and give them consideration only as they are following us. Only as they, as you see in them the example that you've seen in us. Okay. Woo. You're getting, you're getting in there? Let me see what time we have. Okay, we're doing good. First, see, we're going to try to go to 21. Look at them at 18. Wow, 18 coming up. And here, here we go. For many walk, so he says, be careful, watch them, so that they walk according to the example that we've set for you. Because he says, for, because, I'm telling you that because this. Many walk, of whom I've told you before, or before, often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross. So the words that they are, I tell you, weeping, the enemies of the cross. They, they are, are, are cursive, italicized, because they are not in the original language that they are, but it's put in there by the, by the translators of the Bible to make, to make it easy, more easily understandable, to make reading easier and for you to understand it easier. It doesn't conflict with the truth. It just makes the, the reading easier and understanding easier. So he says, there are some that are the enemies of the cross. For many walk, of whom I've told you be often, and now tell you even weeping. Because there was a group there called the Epicureans. These were, this was a separate group in that society. <clears throat> but that group had an influence on some of the church of Philippi. Some of the Christians from Philippi, they had been influenced by the Epicureans. And the Epicureans, they were a school uh, 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 of Greek philosophy that had this idea that the greatest aim of man is the satisfaction of your lower nature. That the greatest aim of man it is, is the satisfaction of your lower nature. <laughs> now, when people walk according to the flesh, the flesh always takes you in a different direction than, than God. Is that, is that clear? Is that, is that okay? The, the, the scriptures teach that? Clearly, clearly, clearly. Because they, they even say, and we, we'll go for that if you want me to, uh, we, they even say that there is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And if you follow the flesh, this is what happened. We'll go for that. And if you follow the spirit, this is what, what will happen. Would you go to the fifth chapter of Galatians, if you can? Tony, Peter, Galatians, the fifth chapter. Uh, would, you, would you go to verse maybe 17, if you can? Give me a little bit more leeway there. Ding, 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 ding. Because here we're getting to the, 
the, the, the, the, the, the, the real matter of, of, the, of the fact. But on, on 17, it gives us a little bit of a, of a, of a wind-up. For the flesh, this is what I'm telling you. Because I, I wanted to go there because when I told you that the flesh always takes you away from God, I saw on your faces, some of your faces, a few question marks. Oh, really? So, here it is. For the flesh lusted against the spirit. Your translation might say, warreth, or battles. Anybody have a, a different word than lusted? Galatians 5, 17. That is, I say it again. Say it again. That sets its desire against. Yes? Somebody else. Crave. Okay? So the flesh, there's a battle going on between the flesh and the spirit within you. That battle won't cease ever. That battle goes on and on and on and on. The, the flesh always looks to get its cocky head in the matter. Always. And it is never satisfied. It always wants more. So if you give the flesh an inch, don't be surprised that it wants a mile. Thank you. Yes. So for the flesh lusted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. The spirit is not going to just let the flesh go half its way. The spirit will battle back and say, and there, these are contrary the one to the other. The spirit of God takes you to God. The flesh is contrary to the spirit of God, takes you in a different direction, away from God, so that you cannot do the things that you would. We're not teaching on this, so let's, let's go on. I was just give, give you the, the meat of the thing. Verse 18 says this. For many walk of whom I have told you often. Oh! Paul goes again over here. So you see. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to justify something over here. Paul repeats, so I don't feel so bad about repeating. <laughs> Whatever. That was supposed to be funny anyways. You don't have to laugh. For many walk, of whom I have told you often. He tells them here. He told them in the book of uh, 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 Philippians. And now tell you. Oh, wait a second. Oh, wait a second. We are at uh, uh, Galatians, please. Galatians 5, verse 18. (laughs) He said it. But if you be led, he said it at a different place. But if you led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19. Yeah, and this is what I, what I want to point out to, 19 through 21. That's originally where I want to go, but I want you to see that the flesh and the spirit, there is a battle going on. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. This is how, when you're walking according to the flesh, this is some of the stuff that will show up. Not all of it, and it's not even defined, uh, 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 limited to this. There is more than this list that, that, that can happen, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, 21 says, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And such like means the list is not complete. He can add many more things like this on the list. 
This is what happens when you are walking according to the flesh, my dear brothers and sisters. And you don't need to do any extra gymnastics. Because if you just go with the flesh, we'll take it there all by itself. But, it goes on to say, it says this here, of which I tell you before, and I've also told you in times past. See, here's that, that phrase that I was talk, talking about. That they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. So, this is not speaking about a person who has committed idolatry. A person who has been unfaithful. That is speaking about the person who is in a lifestyle of that. Apparently, we're not saved. Because if you were saved, you would not be in a lifestyle of infidelity. Or a lifestyle of drunkenness. Or a lifestyle of whatever. So, this is your practice. This is what you're doing. This is who you are. And yes, there is a possibility that you got way off track and you were saved. But if you find yourself in, in this mess, you better have a little introspection and find out, am I? I'm just saying. Verse 22 says this, Galatians 5, 22. Oh, we'll go to, to, to 21. Oh, let's go on a little bit more so we can show them the good stuff. 22. Sorry about that. I, I'm messing you up, I know, but okay. Galatians 5, 22 says, Ah, but. Don't you love that word, But. I love that word, but, especially when it was first bad news. But, always, is a, is a connecting word, and it usually contradicts what was before with what comes after. If before was good news, now there's bad news. If before was bad news, but, there is good news. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and then a few more. Self-control and, and so on and so forth. So, you see that, my brothers and sisters? When you are following the flesh, you don't have to do any gymnastics to get yourself in a mess. But when you walk in the Spirit, you don't have to do any gymnastics either. Just obey the Spirit and go with Him. And He takes you to these places of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and, and, and that stuff. So, <laughs> you're, you're waving at me. <laughs> oh, you're waving at you. <laughs> um, so, let's go back to Philippians 3, wherever we were, 18 or 19. So 18. Then it goes on to say, these people, the Epicureans, remember who the Epicureans are? This, so, these were not the Epicureans that he's talking to. He was talking about a group of people. He, he, is, he is talking about the Epicureans here. But he was addressing some of the Epicureans, some of the Christians that had had Epicurean influence. And so they were going into the arena of, oh, I got liberty in Christ. Except Paul says, 
Don't let your liberty give make an occasion for the flesh. Because that's where the flesh is going to take you. So uh, he says, uh, for many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you with weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross. The enemies of, of the cross of Christ. And then he goes on to say what will happen with these people that, who make their belly or their appetite God. Their pleasure is their God. Their fleshly appetite is their God. And he says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame. Who mind early things. You know where my mind just went to? I mean, as I was preparing, my mind went to somebody who died this week. A guy named Hugh Hefner. And I'm thinking... Talking about Epicureans. How many people has he drug into destruction? So, be careful, my brothers and sisters. Don't let your belly be your God. Don't let your glory or your shame be your glory. Who mind early things. This, these are people. I'm not talking about you being a Christian and, and making some mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this is your life. Do you have an idea that you have there might be a Christian? You know anything about you have there? He might very well be. I don't know his heart. But his life showed everything contrary to Christ-likeness. And in many ways, his life showed an enemy of the cross of Christ. So, I got one amen, and that's okay. And these are people that belong to the earth. They, 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 they dwell on earthly things. The things of God don't matter anything to them. Because their God is their belly, their appetite. Verse 20, please. I, 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 yeah, well, look, I'm not too bad. For our conversation is in heaven. The word conversation is really not the best translation in the King James over there. It really means your citizenship, your commonwealth. Your citizenship is in heaven. So you had a group whose, basically, whose mind and citizenship was on the earth. He says, but you, Christians, you are different. Your citizenship is not here. You're just passing through. That's how my son Nate signs his, his, his letters and his notes. Nate, just passing through. Because Nate is not a citizen of this earth. He's a citizen of heaven. And he can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there. And... So your, citizen is in, your citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior. The word look over here speaks of a, a deep longing. A strong desire. I'm looking for my Savior. 
I have the Savior, but I'm looking to be with him. He's not ready for me yet. 21. Oh, I'm sorry. Could you go back to 20? I, I, I apologize. From which we also eagerly wait. Okay, I'm sorry. 21. Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So he says, so I'm looking to him because this earthly body, see, we are all made of this flesh. My brothers and sisters, I don't want to insult you, but my flesh stinks. I wish I wouldn't have to deal with my flesh. Always trying to pull me away from God. Boom! And I have to subdue it. Otherwise, it takes me there without doing any gymnastics. If I just get in the boat a little bit, there I go. And he says, but he, our Savior, Jesus Christ, he will transform that lowly body that I have to deal with that is uh, subject to sin and its influence in my life. God, Jesus, is going to change that. And in such a way that I will be conformed to his glorious body. I'm going to do a funeral this week. And I'm going to, read, I'm going to be reading out of 1 Corinthians 15 chapter. Where it talks that we have a natural body that is subject to decay. Yes? I know it very well. I still teach a little bit of tennis. I'm not just like you, Glenn, young kid that you are. Okay, he, 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 he runs like a gazelle. But, you know, my knee, my knee is subject, sus, suspect, and if I'm not careful, it feels like oh, it's going to buckle any moment. My right foot bothers me. My right heel bothers me. I can't run as I used to be, as I used to. Now I'm, I have 325, or whatever you call it, 3.25 or whatever. And uh, when I read in my quiet time, I'm squinting. Don't they have a 350 that I can get at Walmart or whatever? That's where I get my glasses or, or the, green, the green one or whatever. Um, so I, I know very well that my, that my body is subject to decay, but it will be transformed into a glorious body. So, and, and Paul says, I can't wait. According to the working by which he's able, even to subdue all things. He is able to subdue all things. All things. And he's going to subdue my earthly body and transform it to a heavenly body. Amen. Like, not the same, but like as to the body, that glorious body of Christ. Do I get too excited? Do I get too excited? I can't help myself, folks. I can't help myself. You get excited. When are the Cowboys playing, Joe? I figured maybe you'd know, but maybe you're not a fan anymore. You know what I'm saying? 
a cowboys one day. Uh, you know, some people get excited about the cowboys. They do a way for the cowboys. Hey, fine, no problem. I, I get excited about Jesus. Amen. So when I watch football with you, you can get excited as you want about the cowboys. Can I get excited as I want about Jesus? Amen. Thank you. So um, now then, next week, next week we start chapter 4. Wow, chapter 4. Glorious, glorious chapter. Chapter 3, glorious, glorious chapter. Chapter 2, glorious, glorious chapter. Chapter 1, anyways, you know the, you know the drill. <laughs> glorious, glorious. What else do we have? Let, so, I with Paul want to encourage you to look for that price, my dear brothers and sisters. Okay? You have no control as to when you're going to go to glory. But as you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit, He will give you a Christ-likeness in your life that will make a difference, not only in you and the victory and the joy that comes with it in your own personal life, but it will spill over into other lives. Isn't that what Jesus says, that we are the light of, 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 of the earth? Uh, and, and so, and the salt... So, and we are ambassadors for Christ. So, this is what he's talking about, that we should be people that our lives, the goodness of the Lord, will spill over into other people's lives. My dear brothers and sisters, that is what I live for. That I might be a positive influence for Christ in other people's lives. Both in my own children both in my children's spouses, both in my grandchildren, and you, and whoever I come across, that I, would, that I might be an, an ambassador, an influence for the cause of Christ. Do I have a ways to go? Of course I have a ways to go. But I want it. And I want that Christ-likeness that Paul is saying is his price. It is my price that I'm looking for.